0: Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Here with me at the podium is the Minister for Health and Social Care. And on Zoom, we have the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture and our Director of Public Health. Thank you for making the right decisions over this last weekend. I know that it is not easy to live with the restrictions that are currently in place. I know that there are challenges and hardships, but what you are doing is making a difference. Let me start this briefing by asking the Minister for Health and Social Care to give us today's data. David.
1: Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken stands at 40,474. The total tests concluded also stands at 40,474, meaning that the lab has processed all the tests that they have received um, at the time of the snapshot, so there is no awaiting results. New cases identified in the last 24 hour period is 29, bringing our total cases to 1,306. We have 847 active cases and 14 of those cases are within the hospital. Thank you, Chief Minister.
0: Thank you very much, David. So the trend and the numbers is a continuing fall of new cases. And that is, of course, a good thing to see. And this is because of the measures in place and the way that the great Manx public have responded. I will hand over to our Director of Public Health in a second for her update and her analysis of what that number tells us. Just before I do, I would like to share an important point. I know many of you are carefully following the number of unexplained cases. Like me, you will have noticed that they continue to pop up. Our Director of Public Health will be able to bring more context to this But we do know that some of this has been about people still going about their business, including going into the workplace when they are showing symptoms. This has to stop. As we have said at these briefings before, responsibility here is twofold. Employers must ensure that they only require their employees to go into work if it is absolutely critical. They also need to ensure that the workplace is as safe as possible. For employees who are critical and who do need to go into work, they must not do so if they show the slightest symptoms. If you go into a workplace with COVID, you could be putting lives at risk, perhaps even your own. And you could be putting your organisation at risk. Contact tracing recently had to entirely close a local business because of someone who had been going into work despite having COVID symptoms. We need to identify and isolate the virus. The more people stay at home and stop mixing between households, the sooner we will be able to do this. And then the sooner we will be able to remove measures. Let me pause and hand over to Dr Ewitt for her view on what the numbers are telling us. Dr Ewitt.
2: Thank you, Chief Minister. So the news that we only had 29 new cases in the last 24 hours is obviously good news. And the curve is developing as we expect it to in that we now seem to be at least on the plateau and possibly beginning to turn into the downward stretch, which is good. But we need to keep up all the um, mitigations, all the things that we're supposed to be doing as part of the circuit breaker to ensure that we keep going in that direction and don't end up with a very prolonged plateau or even worse, a rise. Now, the, um, we're now nearly two weeks into the circuit breaker. So that's nearly up to a full incubation period for the virus. And that means that if we're all following the guidance for the circuit breaker, we really should be getting to the point where we're not seeing unexplained, unexpected new cases that have just popped up in the community. Our cases should be overwhelmingly linked to known high-risk contacts contacts, and largely in the context of people's households. And while we certainly are seeing that spread in households, and that's to be expected, we are still seeing rather more of the community cases than we would expect. So that, of course, does make us concerned that people are not following the guidance quite as much to the letter as they could and really need to be. Chief Minister has already spoken about the workplace issue. And the thing about the workplaces is that usually we will pick that up through contact tracing. Admittedly, after the horse is bolted, if you like, because the person has already been into the workplace and transmission has occurred. But we do at least find out about that uh, usually The transmission we are much less likely to find out about is if people are still informally mixing between households. And the more that happens, the more that just keeps this outbreak going. And it's more difficult for us to get on top of it through contact tracing because we won't be able to identify it. And therefore, it can be going on outside what we know about and continuingly continuing to keep this outbreak going. So I really do have to stress what the Chief Minister has just said, that we all need to follow the guidance all the time and not try to justify things to ourselves that lets us think it's OK if we just do this or that, because actually it isn't. And with the Kent variant, it really isn't because it's so much more transmissible. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank
0: you very much, Dr Hewitt. We've spoken about the pressures on our critical services The Council of Ministers this morning heard about the considerable pressure our health system is working under. The vaccination programme is proceeding at pace. The team gave over 7,000 doses last week, which is a great achievement. As we stand here, over 22,000 people on our island have had at least one dose. And over 75% of people in our first six priority groups have now been given, not offered, at least one dose and I know this week is looking to be an extremely busy week too. The swabbing and lab teams are also working at an impressive pace. Over the past week they've done more than 4,000 swabs and Covid tests. A lot of the testing this week has been in relation to existing high-risk contacts. Over the last four days over 900 people have taken their day 13 exit tests and more will have done so today. As long as there is a negative result It means that their self-isolation can end. And I would publicly like to thank those who have followed the self-isolation rules. You have played a crucial role in protecting our island. So despite the numbers pointing in a positive direction, the hospital does remain a concern. Any COVID case requires significant staffing and space in the hospital. Let me invite the Health and Social Care Minister to come back in to give you some more details on this david
1: thank you chief minister in relation to the hospital we have ward 2 and also the private patient unit sometimes referred to as ward 19 available for COVID cases as the chief minister has said it does require significant staffing within those wards and at the moment Uh, The hospital is under pressure in terms of staffing with staff isolated, but the hospital is coping. And again, I would like to put on record my thanks to all of those working up at Nobles and across the wider health and social care community for all their hard work and dedication at this difficult time. In relation to Ward 2, people have to be isolated off because they are COVID positive. And that does mean sometimes that there are restrictions in what they can do. Many of those within Ward 2 are receiving oxygen therapy which means that they were required to remain in bed because they are not easily transportable and that mean includes to the facilities. So in some cases, a commode, etc., may need to be used because it is not practical or possible for that person to be trans- transported with the oxygen supply that is required to be continuously administered to them. So we are stretched up at the hospital, but the COVID ward is operating. Um, our plans and resilience plans have been put in place and we are using the private patients unit as a step-down facility for those then moving out of Ward 2 before they can eventually go home. So again, I would like to thank all of the staff who've been working exceptionally hard in making sure that our COVID resilience has actually been working as expected. A couple of other points. Can I also... Give a reminder for people that even if they have had the vaccine then they still need to follow the rules in place and the precautions the vaccine takes time to take effect and slowly builds not just over days but also over weeks so it is important that those who have been vaccinated still take precautions as they are not wholly free from risk from the current outbreak also the clinically vulnerable letters have started going out Can I please remind people that if you are registering online for the vaccine, then you need to select the priority group drop down box, the age 16 to 64 in a confirmed at risk group category and not their age group, which may not currently allow for registration. So just a reminder again, if you are registering due to receiving a clinically vulnerable letter, when you go to the drop down group um, for your priority group, it's age 16 to 64 in a confirmed at-risk group. Also as people's age groups are reached if they have been vaccinated as clinically vulnerable then they will likely receive a second invitation letter. The clinically vulnerable lists were created via a manual process of GPs having to go through their records and identifying those who fitted those categories as it is based on an individual's personal medical history. The age-based letters are generated simply on someone's date of birth. To try and filter out those who received a letter as clinically vulnerable from the age groups would mean someone having to manually go through thousands of letters in each cohort and filter those individuals out. This could actually lead to errors and people being incorrectly removed from the age lists. Therefore, the best and most efficient approach is to send the age cohort letters as they are. This does mean those who are identified as clinically vulnerable will receive two letters when their age group is reached, but the letters do clearly state that if you have already been invited, registered and vaccinated to ignore the letter. But this is the most efficient way of running that process and the best way of avoiding errors. Thank you, Chief Minister.
0: Thank you very much, David. And again, we thank all the teams involved in dealing with and treating this latest outbreak. Now, I know as this outbreak continues, many have questions about the direction notices issued to the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company. As I've said at previous briefings, I have requested that the Chief Secretary commission an independent review into the circumstances under which direction notices regarding self-isolation and other requirements have been issued to the steam packet. I am pleased to advise that the terms of reference for this independent review have been finalised and have today been published, and they are available on gov.im. Stephen Hine, the Director of Audit Advisory in the Treasury, has been appointed to conduct the review. The review will be undertaken completely independently of the Cabinet Office and will be afforded full access to all records held by and personnel employed by the Aleman Government and all its agencies. Before handing over to the media, I do want to address the question that I know is on everyone's mind. How long this this current circuit break will last? It is a tough question to answer at this stage and I've said before that it felt unlikely that that we would be able to exit after 21 days. Despite the uncertainty around so much of this, we do want to give you as much clarity as we possibly can. The Council of Ministers looked at the data this morning and heard from our contact tracing, public health colleagues and other senior officers. We agreed that despite a cautiously optimistic outlook, we would not be able to safely end the circuit break as planned on the 23rd of March. We have therefore decided to extend the lockdown for a week to allow us hopefully to see the data we need to make that decision. So this means that as things stand, the lockdown will continue until at least the first minute of Wednesday the 31st of March. I know this is not what you want to hear, but we judge that it is the right thing to do to protect our island's critical services, not least our hospital and the vaccination programme. We will, of course, continue to review the situation. It may be that between now and then we are able to slightly change the measures for example, to allow outdoor activities, as we did after our first lockdown. But equally, if we continue to see unexplained cases, then we cannot rule out needing to extend the lockdown further. This is the last thing the Council of Ministers wants. We only want measures for in place for as long as they are necessary, not a day longer. Let's go to questions from the media. And first I have today is Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I.
3: First my Chief Minister, I wonder if we could go to uh, Dr Allenson please, <clears throat> just in terms of uh, what will be happening with the schools over this period of the extension and what plans he has for students who are facing exams in the summer or a variation of exams for their grades.
4: Thank you very much Chief Minister. Um, I think that's a, a very good question. We were hoping a, a, as everyone else was, to reopen schools at the end of the 21-day lockdown period. It's quite evident now that schools will not be opening until after the Easter holidays, unfortunately. We are working very hard with teachers to keep up the remote learning provision. We've already signalled that there will not be any physically sat exams this summer for either GCSE or A-level students. What we're doing at the moment is, is figuring out exactly the best way of assessing those grades Um, so that all students get the grades that they deserve. And we should be able to announce that in the near future. For any student or parent who who are concerned with this, the uh, um, department have got a special website set up at signpost.sch.im, where we have frequently asked questions, and which we will update regularly to make sure that everyone knows exactly how those grades will be assessed when we get back to a sense of normality um, later on next month.
3: Um, Will that include hub schools, so not opening before Easter? Will that stay the same for them?
4: We're currently working on on the hub schools, and I'm sorry um, for for all those parents who have been um, inconvenienced and stressed by the lack of childcare. When you look at the figures, we still have predominantly children of school age being affected by this virus. And we've also seen the zero to four-year-olds and five five to nine-year-olds also being affected far more than we've ever done. We're working with the Department for Health and Social Care to try to devise testing programmes so that we can reopen schools to those children of critical workers and vulnerable children. Um, But we need to make sure that that service is as safe as possible before we open it, because I do not want any children to come into a school environment and either put themselves at risk or put the staff there at risk.
3: Thank you. And just secondly for Minister administration, please, we've had it pointed out was on the COVID vaccination dashboard. There's uh, about three and a half thousand um, vaccinations booked in for the next week. Are we still aiming to hit the target of a thousand a day, which we have to congratulate the team on doing last week. They did a really good job there. Will we see that over the next week? And if so how in terms of the people ringing 111, is this slowing down the people booking vaccines at all?
1: no the registrations are not slowing down Um, 111 continuously is booking people in so it has to be taken that figure that's on the dashboard we provide that because we have the information to hand Um, but it's a snapshot figure so it will change as 111 continues booking people in so the numbers increase per week so for instance I think if we could go back to a snapshot of the dashboard at the start of last week it wasn't showing 5,000 booked in I think from memory it was showing just under the 4,000 but over the week as as time moves on more people are booked in more slots are filled and people come forward for vaccination but no we haven't seen a slowdown in people coming forward i've been very encouraged by the uptake actually on the vaccination program sam it's um, it's actually been a real a really good and we've seen an uptick in people registering over the last few weeks as well as we've released other cohorts
0: thank you thanks very much sam now we move on to paul moulton from Alaman television good afternoon paul faster my
5: Thank you. And I know, David, I've been talking to you for getting about 40 questions in just about two hours ago. So I have something more just to follow on from Sam there. uh, What's the maximum amount of vaccinations can you do in a week? I I see, according to the uh, dashboard, if I'm reading this right, there's over 17,000 vaccines ready to rumble at the moment.
1: Well, again, we have to be cautious around that figure. Again, the stock uh, that's held um, actually is a snapshot in time. So that snapshot was taken after a large delivery was received into the island. We also have to take into account that includes all the people who were already booked to have the vaccination this week or for those that wanted a vaccination further out. And it also takes into account those that need second doses delivering this week or next week as well. Um, In terms of the stock we hold, we hold a buffer, Um, to ensure that if there's any weather disruption or in fact any delivery disruption because the delivery schedules are not guaranteed and they can be bumpy on occasions we have a buffer normally of between five six seven days worth of vaccine so what that means is we know we've got the vaccine so we don't have to keep stopping and starting if we used everything that we had say tomorrow we'd then stop because we wouldn't have any more vaccine to deliver. Um, so we always keep a buffer to make sure we can keep the programme continuously rolling. Um, but that buffer now is down to um, five, six days. And I know on few, some projections, at some points, we will down to, be down to a buffer of only three days worth of vaccine.
5: So the maximum you can do in a day so, is... so the
1: maximum we can do in a day, again, based on delivery schedules, because we could go higher if we got higher amounts of deliveries, is that just over 1,000 a day.
5: So if you've got more deliveries, you could go up to what? I mean, I'm trying to find out what the maximum potential is. Well,
1: we, we could we could staff up accordingly. We would still need to keep a buffer to ensure we could honour appointments that are already booked. Um, but to, but we could throw more resource at it quite easily, and we could bring in those who are qualified, who are volunteers as well. So there is not a maximum as such. Our maximum is basically the ability to get the vaccine, um, into the island and have those delivery schedules.
5: Okay, I appreciate this question comes up from time to time. But as you know, things move on. And MHK actually put it up as well earlier. Is it time we follow the JCVI and move from 10 to 12 weeks for the single dose so a greater number of people could have that vaccine? And you have said you were going to keep looking at this, weren't you?
1: Yeah, at the moment, we are going for the 10 weeks. That may well change in relation to supply. So, for instance, if there's pressures of supply further on, we have that buffer because we know we can deliver it up to 12 weeks, the second dose, Um, and in order to keep the programme rolling, we will bring in the 12 weeks if necessary. But at the moment, we're keeping it at 10 weeks, but we can, if the delivery schedules are disrupted, move to 12.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Paul. Now we move on to Helen McKenna from All of My Newspapers. Good afternoon, Helen. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister.
1: My first question is for the Health Minister. So on the dashboard at the moment, we've got how many people are in hospital. But is there any way that going forward, you can clarify how many people were admitted to Nobles for, for COVID and how many were tested for covid on arrival so such as if they were being treated for something else and um, as some have been saying on social media that the figures can be misleading well the people the people we list in hospital are COVID positive we don't drill down too much into the detail because if we start doing that we start potentially identifying patients um, we start giving too much personal information all patients are tested on arrival if they then test COVID positive then obviously they are dealt with as a COVID-positive patient. But we can't break it down to that sort of granular detail because we could be coming up with numbers like one, two, um, and that would then risk being in the realms of what is classed as patient identifiable information. Okay, thank you. My second question is either for yourself, um, Mr Ashford, or Dr Euritz. How many people, um, sorry, how many of the known active cases are asymptomatic? Um, I don't actually have that, but I'll pass over to Director of Public Health. She may well.
2: Um, I believe I do, but I will have to get it up on my computer. So.
0: Yeah, I think I saw it this afternoon, Helen myself. Uh, I think yeah. it's a split of about seven hundred to two hundred sort of well, ratio. But...
1: Sorry, so no, I have. I have got it, Chief Minister. Uh, well, I just then. found it. Um, in terms of symptoms, symptomatic is five hundred ninety-four, asymptomatic two hundred fifty-three.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much, Helen. Now we move on to Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon, Rob. Faster, my.
5: Faster, my, Chief Minister. My first question probably to the Health Minister. Um, Has any more thought been given to the idea of introducing some form of support bubbles for those living on their own during this lockdown?
1: Not currently, Rob. Um, The whole purpose of the current three-week circuit breaker and the Chief Minister's just now uh, announced a week's extension to is to actually break transmission chains and the main driver of transmission chains as we've just heard from the director of public health is household mixing so the whole purpose of this has been to limit household mixing. We do realise that there is pressures for a lot of people, particularly those who are on their own, um, and so are feeling very isolated. And as I've said in reply to many people who've contacted me, if we did need to do an extension to it, so a substantial extension to the circuit breaker, like the sort of situation we got into last year, then that would be one of many... Mm-hmm possible decisions. You may remember, Rob, that last year we released Gradually, where we allowed people to mix to a certain extent. So initially it was so many people in your garden, then there was a limit on the number of people you could have indoors. Um, If it's an extended circuit breaker then that may be something that we consider again but at the moment the purpose of the circuit breaker is to actually prevent transmission chains being created and that is mainly driven by household mixing so that's why the rules prevent household mixing at this time.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't want anyone to think that the council of ministers isn't, isn't aware and understanding of people living on their own who are isolated and and lonely as a result of the rules that we've brought in. And the, if we feel that we can going forward bring in um, one household mixing with another household, then that's something, of course, we'll do. But at this moment in time, our, our clear advice is that the biggest way this um, terrible virus is spreading is by household mixing. And therefore, we've got to um, hold this line for the time being. But as I say, I just want to reassure everyone out there, the minute we can release this or or try and help out those people who are on their own that need support, then, of course, we will do. (laughs) Obviously, if you're vulnerable living on your own and you can't manage to feed yourself or or look after yourself, then, of course, people are allowed to go in to give you support. But um, for, for those people who are able to look after themselves but are feeling lonely and vulnerable, we do understand it. But we sadly just cannot release that restriction at this moment in time but we will do our utmost to help you in the future going forward thank you Rob your next question
5: thank you secondly this is probably for Dr Ewart many of the cases that we've seen recently uh, have involved transmission within households obviously with many Um, self-isolating what are the chances of someone getting reinfected in isolation if for example they and members of their household are shedding the virus at different times maybe only a couple of days between
2: Um, are you asking, is it possible for someone who's already had the infection in that house to get it again as it moves sequentially to other members? Yeah, that's right. Um, Not if the person is within three months of their first infection. So if, for example, I was the index case in my household, so I've tested positive, um, but I've got four other people in my household. And over time, two or three or maybe all four of them test positive. Each of us, as we test positive, can complete our 14 days subject to a negative test at day 13 and then we can be released it's only the ones who are either currently infected or have not yet been infected who have to complete self-isolation or continue self-isolation and once somebody has been a confirmed positive there is general consensus and this is supported by the European Centre for Disease Control whose protocols we we tend to follow that um, you can regard someone who has been a confirmed positive as having protection from natural immunity for at least 90 days after that infection so that that's the approach we follow I have had people say to me oh but if somebody's completed their self-isolation and is then allowed back out into the community but have people in their household who are still infected and infectious isn't there a risk that they could carry virus out on their clothes or their hands and infect people that way Um, Now, the answer there is firstly that there is a theoretical risk of that. Um, Transmission from clothes has really not ever been demonstrated and virus survival on fabric is not very long. And it certainly hasn't been shown to do it in a way that is transmissible to other people. Hands, obviously, we should all be continuing to wash our hands, sanitise our hands, avoid touching other surfaces and certainly avoid touching other people. So the risk from that. We can't say it's zero but it is very low and it's mitigatable so we do allow people who have completed their self-isolation for their own infection and have tested negative to go back out about their normal business. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much Rob and um, last but not least we have Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Good afternoon Tim, fast am I.
5: Pastor Mai, you've announced that the Director of Audit Advisory and the Treasury is going to conduct an independent investigation. Well, Treasury are the shareholder and own the steam packet, and I'm already getting emails saying that can't be classed as
0: independent. Well, it's it's the um, Cabinet Office, Tim, where Public Health reside, and they um, issued the Cloud, the the notices. Now, independent, Audit is totally independent, but it has to live somewhere. And it's based um, through the, yes, through the Treasury, but it, it is a totally independent organisation, used to doing investigative reports. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy that um, a thorough report will, will be done in, into this, you know, this review. And obviously, the review will be published.
5: And... People working in pharmacies, I'm told, uh, are getting their key worker status removed. Is the uh, review of what is a key worker status underway at the moment, to your knowledge? And the the question being asked is how can working parents carry on working when hub schools and nurseries reopen if their key worker status
0: is removed? I'm not aware of pharmacists having their key worker status removed, but I'll hand over to David for that.
1: Yes, certainly, Chief Minister. No, pharmacists have not had their key worker status removed. They are still key workers. I assume what the question is relating to, Tim, is who has access to the education hubs. That doesn't mean they're no longer a key worker. Um, We apply all sorts of categories to key workers it's just which key workers can enter the uh, educational hubs at the moment there is still work ongoing and i'll hand over to minister for education in a moment to um, update on that (coughs) but there is still work ongoing in relation to that and as has just been announced today the hubs will not be back up and running unfortunately before easter with the way that transmission currently is a young young people but the minister for education might be able to elaborate further
4: yeah, th- thank you, Minister. Um, it's, it's a very good question, and I've been approached by several pharmacists, often who are, w- um, you know, working parents. And we know that pharmacy provision is quite essential um, for, for health and social care. We will be working with all preschool pro- preschool providers to try to extend the service as much as we can. But again, we're dealing with um, at the moment an outbreak that is predominantly affected children of school age. And so we need to make sure that when we have a system in place, we gradually expand it. So we start off with the critical workers and then gradually expand that provision um, as we move forward and move out of this current outbreak. But certainly the Department for Education, Sport and Culture are in regular conversation with the Department for Health and Social Care to make sure that those essential frontline services are supported during this very difficult period for all of us. Thank you.
5: Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Tim. And thank you very much for those questions. And thank you to everyone who's done the right thing for their island and their community over the last two weeks already. I remain confident that together we can get through this. I have faith in the great Manx public. Let's keep focusing on the basics and we can put this circuit break behind us. Please stay at home as much as possible. This is the biggest single thing that you can do right now. Do not go into work unless you absolutely have to. And please, if you show any symptoms at all, do not brush it off, stay at home and call 111. Continue to make the right decisions for you, your family and our island. Thank you all very much.